thank you for being here this morning as we, as we worship God, as we celebrate um, not just the history of First Baptist Fairburn, but the future and, and, and where we're going. And we, we look back, I think we get a great roadmap of life if we look to where we've been and see also where we're going. And I think we also have to look ahead to where we're going. And, and I believe that the, the men and women that have gone before us that were so instrumental in, in moving this church, ping-ponging around this area of, of South Fulton until we landed here in the 1850s would, would agree that it's, it's moving forward and not looking back for when our memories overshadow our dreams, the end is near. And I do not believe that the end is near for First Baptist Church of Fairburn, Georgia. If you have not, uh, if you've not been here in a while, I do want to introduce myself. I am Evan. Uh, sometimes they call me the new pastor, but I think the new wore off a few weeks ago. So um, it's kind of maybe has that still new car smell, but don't sniff me. Um, I've got a I've got a three month old that might have left something on my shoulder. Um, but this morning, I, I want us to start with uh, just some basic questions that that we look at together. And it really starts with the main question of why does the church exist? Why, why, why does the church exist? Why do we have a church? Why do we have the church? What's the purpose in all of this? Is it so we can have this really awesome place to go on Sunday morning? Is it so that we can make friends or is there there's something bigger that's going on? And in, in Matthew chapter 16, we find an answer to this. Now, um, those of you that have been with me the, the entire four months I've, I've been around, um, you know that my tendency is to look at one passage of scripture and, and really just stay there. Well, we're gonna ping pong. I don't know how well you can see all these color tabs on the side of my Bible. That's all the passages we're gonna hit together in our time uh, because we've got some, some, some vision casting to look at where we're gonna go. And you think, man, why would you do that on homecoming? Because I want us to see in light of our past what our future should be and what it is that we're aiming to do. So in Matthew chapter 16, we find these words starting in verse 13. Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi and he was asking his disciples, who do the people say that the son of man is? And they said, some are saying John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So Jesus said to them, but, but who do you, not the people, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been bound, or shall have been loosed in heaven. And he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for a, a rich tradition in history of hearing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, and serving because of the gospel. Lord, we pray that that would be our goal, our mindset, and our chief end in all that we do as the First Baptist Church of Fairburn. To go beyond the city of Fairburn, to go beyond the borders of South Fulton, but to never go beyond the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
to take people to where they find their greatest hope, they find their greatest reward, they find their greatest treasure in the redemption that you offer, the forgiveness of our sins, the status as children of the living God. And Lord, we commend all of ourselves. We, we lay ourselves down at the altar right before the cross and ask that, Lord, you would move us. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, so this morning we look at this passage of scripture, we look at this, this Matthew chapter 16 and, and, and we see two things I believe in this passage that gives us kind of the answer to the general question. Uh, why does the church exist? Uh, Jesus is asking these questions there and they're very important questions that I believe the world around us is still asking. What do you do with Jesus? And ultimately, when you and I die, when you and I stand before God, because the Bible tells us that there will come a time that each of us must stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for everything we've done, whether good or bad. I believe the only answer that truly matters, the only question that really matters is, what did you do about Jesus? What did you do about this one? What did you decide about him? What do you believe in him? Who is he? And so the disciples are standing there and some of them are throwing out the answers that we still hear today. Oh, he was a good man. He was a teacher. He healed some people. He said some good things. But really what only mattered was, is he the Christ or is he the Messiah? And that's the first basis of the church, the confession of Christ Jesus. He says there in this passage, it says, Simon answered, says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. That word Christ is the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one that God had been telling the Jews for generations, for century, even bordering on two millennia, that one was coming that would be the answer, the savior, the one for whom the world waited. And he came. And this confession of Christ appears on the lips of Peter, the outspoken one, the one who, like me, would put his foot in his mouth more often than not, would run to the front and think, oh, wait, I shouldn't have run that far. And he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. The church exists because we have a living God who sent his son to be the savior of the world. That's the basis of our confession. And we also exist because Christ Jesus established authority with us. Look at what he says. Jesus says, blessed are you, son, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't read it in a book somewhere. You didn't just have somebody say, hey, that's Jesus. He's actually the Christ. No, the spirit of God was active. The Spirit of God was leading and the Spirit of God spoke and revealed to him who Jesus was so that he could form the, the words on his lips, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, because of this, I will build my church. And there he gives authority. He gives authority. He says, you have the keys to the kingdom of God. Remember, he, if you've been with us as we've gone through the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, unless, you're, unless you display this type of righteousness that surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, you won't see the kingdom of God. He tells Nicodemus in John chapter three, unless you be born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We have the authority of the kingdom of God resting upon us because of our confession of faith in Christ Jesus. That's why the church exists. But what about our church? 
What about First Baptist Church of Fairburn? See, that, that, that's talking about the church universal. That's talking about all the churches. We prayed a little while ago about the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and we got Southern Baptist churches, and we got some Episcopalian churches, and we got some Lutheran churches. We got, we've got, man, churches for everything. And that's what establishes the church. A congregation that gets together without the confession of faith in Christ Jesus and without the authority of the kingdom of God resting on their shoulders is not a church, it's a social club. That's, that's the church, but what about us? I believe First Baptist Church of Fairburn exists to glorify God and fulfill the Great Commission. That's why we're here, to glorify God and fulfill the Great Commission. But what does that even mean? How, how do we break that down? Well, let, let, let me give you a mission, vision, purpose statement that's gonna be the foundation of all that I seek to do and all I seek to lead our church in as, as your pastor. That First Baptist Church of Fairburn is a device, diverse community of believers seeking to glorify God, make disciples, build families, and reach our community in ways that stretch beyond age, ethnicity, and status. That's a comprehensive view of what we're looking to do. To, 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 to glorify God, to make disciples, to build families but to do so in a way that expresses our beautiful diversity. In, in a way that expresses the way that God has assembled this congregation with men and women from literally all over the world. From all over Fulton, Coweta, and Fayette counties. Regardless of how old you are, regardless of who your mom and daddy were, regardless of how much money you make or don't make, regardless of anything, regardless of who you voted for in November, regardless of what your job is, regardless of anything, we are seeking to make disciples. And I've, I've got to give Pastor Ben some credit with helping me out with that last part of the statement. I, he, he helped me come to the word status because it's comprehensive of all that we are. So, so for the next few minutes, if you will, let me give you four different things. I'm gonna give you some four components to this vision that, that will help provide some framework and provide some strategy for how we're gonna do this. I, I'm not gonna lay out for you every single thing that we're going to do. I'm gonna give you just some of the guidelines, so, so, some, some of the things that as, as, as Lewis and Ben and, and Paul and Charlie and I seek to lead ministries, as we work with Sunday school, as we work with uh, discipleship groups, as we work with mission and outreach, even as we work with eating a meal together, kind of how it pieces and how we're gonna do this, this, this make disciples as a diverse community of believers. And the first one is so. So. It says over in Matthew chapter 28, this is the Great Commission, and we'll flip back to this one a few times, but it says Jesus is speaking right before he leaves. It says, go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You'll see that we're, we're, we're reusing the same familiar cross and, and circle pattern. And, and each one of these are gonna have a, have a different component, worded a little bit different because I'm not in here to, to begin something brand new, out with the old, in with the new. I'm here to build on what just the foundation that Justin and Steve Batts and Oscar Cope and the other 25 or 26 men that have been the pastor of this church have sought to do. Because it's not just about what we've done, it's about what we've been doing and what we're gonna to continue to do. 
And so, so we're repurposing and, re, repurposing and bringing in some familiarity, but we've got this blue color of so representing some baptism, representing baptismal waters, because the first thing that Jesus says is go and make disciples and then and, and baptize them. If we're going to make disciples, we've got to evangelize. We, we've got to be people that share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let, let's be real for a minute. We're Baptists, we're Southern Baptists. So we really, really love talking about evangelism. And we really, really love the idea of evangelism as long as somebody else is doing it. But when it comes down to the nitty gritter of what Jesus commands, that we personally go and make disciples, it's like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. But if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, if we're going to emulate Christ, I believe personally that we are most like Christ Jesus when we are reaching the lost. If you remember the little story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, he might have been about this high or whatever. Remember what what happened? You remember? He climbs the tree. Nobody liked him. Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. This is over in Luke chapter 19. And then he repents and confesses. But Jesus says something in verse 10 to Zacchaeus to demonstrate the power of his message. He says, the son of man, talking about himself, Christ Jesus came to do what? Seeking to save that which was lost. If we're going to imitate Christ, if we're going to make disciples, we must evangelize. See, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, go and preach the gospel to all creation. See, this this is presenting the fullness of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ Jesus for the purpose of saving us from our sin, which means we've got to get real with sin. It's easy to like point at somebody else's sin. Sometimes it's harder to sit down and talk with them about their pathway of redemption because of their sin. Ultimately, we understand that evangelism is the responsibility of every believer. It's, it's all of us. See, you remember the parable of the sower over in Mark chapter four? Over in Mark chapter four, you've got the parable of the sower and Jesus talks about the man who scattered the seed and some fell on the rocky soil and some fell on the, the, the thorny soil and some fell on the pathway and some of it fell on, on, on the good fertile, fertile soil. But he says in verse 14, he says that the sower sows the word. See, if evangelism is the responsibility of the believer, we've got to understand that we are to be those that sow the word. We've got to be willing as a church to present this message of hope to a dying community. See, the gospel is sown in word. Remember, Matt, just a couple minutes ago, talking about Mark 16 go and preach the gospel, being willing to use the word, but also in deed. It's also done in deed. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23, I love this verse. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he says, I do everything for the sake of the gospel. Everything he does is for the sake of being sure that the witness of the gospel goes forward. And you think, man, that's easy for Paul. He was on this mission trips everywhere and he was jumping on boats and he was sailing, he was planting churches. Well, you know what? We have everything in front of us, more resources than Paul could have ever imagined having to present the gospel. But too often we're presenting everything but the gospel. Social media, I believe, can be the downfall and may be the downfall of the Christian witness in America because we get too wrapped up in all of the other and not enough in the gospel. And, and, and we share things and we post things that have nothing to do with truth so our credibility is lost between the, us and those that, with whom we need to actually share truth. 
Paul says, I do everything for the purpose of reaching people with the gospel. That's, that's a lifestyle witness of truth. But you know what happens when you plant seeds in, in soil? Stuff grows. Maybe remember the old science project that you'd do in school where you'd bring in like an egg carton and your teacher would put a wet paper towel on there and you'd drop a couple of seeds and you'd close it and after a couple of days you'd open it and like, man, something's growing in there. It wouldn't last because it wasn't getting all the nutrients it needed. But when you plant seeds, things grow. I grew up in South Georgia where you had cotton and peanuts and watermelons and cantaloupes and tomatoes, everything growing all around you. And I have yet to meet a farmer that would spend all the time planting everything and never go out there and actually harvest what was grown. So that's the, that's the follow-up that we as sowers of the word must understand. Mark chapter four, verse 26 says, you know what, when the harvest comes, verse 29 says, when the harvest comes, you put the sickle to the plant because you're trying to reap the harvest. So Jesus said over in Mark chapter nine, verse 37 and 38, look above you, look around you. The fields are white with the harvest. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers to gather the harvest. Church, that's us. We sow and we harvest. We sow and we harvest. We sow and we harvest. Why? To fulfill the great commission, bring glory to God, to make disciples, build families, and to reach in new ways. So with each one of these, I want to give you a pledge. A pledge from the church, a pledge as a representative of the church for what we're going to do. First Baptist Church of Fairburn pledges to equip our members with evangelistic tools, to pray for the salvation of the lost and to prepare people for the harvest. We've got this rack out here by the steps of the balcony. So all, all y'all there on the shelf up there, you might've seen as you go up, um, they've got little gospel tracks in there. Gospel tracks are really, really good if you know how to use them. And there are a couple ways you can use them. You can use them like this, here you go, here you go. Or you can use them in a way that says, let, let me share something with you. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna train each of our people to know how to be a verbal witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what happens once we reach people with the gospel and they profess faith in Christ? The second thing, the second component is no. No. We, we get to know God. We get to know the power of the Almighty. You remember Jesus was at the, with the woman at the well and he says, the time is coming is now here that you will not worship in Jerusalem nor in Samaria, but you, not on this mountain nor that mountain, but you will worship the Lord your God in spirit and in truth. That is the intimacy of knowing the Almighty and powerful God. I love what David says over in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29. He says these words. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in a holy array. Now think about that. Ascribe to the Lord. Place in the right position the glory that's due the name of God. In order to do that, you've got to know God. You've got to know his power. You've got to know his majesty. You've got to know who you are in relation to this God. So this is all about worship. This is all about how we come before him with singing, with offering, with dance, with music, with, with prayer, with petition. This is about worship. See, as a church, we're going to present the gospel, but then we're going to get into the position of knowing the Lord who made us intimately. I believe there are two chief aims of worship. 
Two things that really drive worship. The first is to know God, to, to know him. There, there, are, there are some very strange and I believe heretical things going on in Christian worship, use the quotation fingers, in America right now. Worship that centers on us. Worship that centers on, on people. Worship that centers on man. Worship that centers on, on our feelings and our emotions and not on who God is. God doesn't invite us into his presence by the blood of Christ so we can see how great we are. Rather, he brings us into his presence so that we can know the awesome power, the might, the mercy, the greatness of our God and King. And when we know that, we're gonna naturally glorify him. I believe the second aim is to glorify God, to stand before him in presence. Man, look, look, what, look what David says. He says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory of do his name, bring an offering and come before him, ushered into the presence of the king. I'm gonna pause just a second. Can y'all read those? Did I make that too small up there? I made it too small, didn't I? I'm so sorry. I was looking at the little screen back there and I was, they might not be able to read that. You can see no though, right? All right, we've got so, we've got no, so just kind of fill in the blanks as you can. As a church, we have the corporate responsibility to enjoin ourselves together for the purpose of worshiping God and helping others know him. We've got this great salvation and don't you wanna to get to know the God who offered it a little better? That's what worship does. That's what worship does. To know God fully is to engage with him and to submit with him. Notice that this passage of scripture, this verse says, bring an offering and come before him. You get to enter into the presence of the king without being afraid of being put to death. You get to enter into his presence and come and be, in, be right in front of God himself by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells each of you that have professed faith in Christ Jesus in a way that means that you get to know him better. And, and we submit to him. So our pledge as a church is to teach believers how to worship God. I do believe that worship is not something that you just kind of pick up along the way, but that's something that somebody, as they disciple you, as you learn about Christ, that they help you understand and that they help you engage in. And that's, that's, that's the primary purpose of our worship ministry, to supplement the teaching of scripture with worship and to provide opportunities to corporately experience the living God. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. You, you can't engage with God and ignore the Holy Spirit. You, you can't. When you come into the presence of God Almighty, the Holy Spirit will be carrying you and will be filling you and, and, and will be uh, alive and active within you. But when you ignore him, you individually and then us corporately as the church will turn and harden towards God. There's no such thing as a vibrant church that ignores the Spirit. But a church that is filled with the Spirit, listens to the Spirit, and worships because of the Spirit through the blood of Christ Jesus is a church engaged with God and we know Him. The third is grow. You'll see this is green. Oh yeah, the purple was because we worship the King of Kings and purple is a royal color. 
But here we have the green grow. Green things grow. It's kind of, look at your grass. It's going to be greener after all of this rain. And it's going to be growing. You're going to have to get the lawnmower out and mow it now, right? Because green grows. This is, this is the, the, the thrust of the Great Commission. Going back to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, Go and make disciples. How do you make disciples? Well, Jesus fortunately gives us the answer. He says, go there, therefore make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe. This is the teaching ministry of the church. We, we teach them. This is the core of the church. That is to make disciples. You're gonna be a disciple of something. As a follower of Christ, you are commanded to be a disciple of Jesus himself. And we have a sure authority. We, we have the Bible, the inspired word of God. See, our vision right in the middle says that we are here to glorify God, to make disciples and build families. And, and, and that's very core because the home is the chief disciple-making location within the church. We want to help make disciples here. But mom and dad, your primary responsibility as mom and dad is to teach your kids the word of God, to teach them the gospel, to teach them the faith, to teach them what it means to be a living, active, breathing man or woman of God. Men, that is your job in the home, period. Not that your wife can't do it, that, that mama can't be effective in helping young man and young woman become uh, followers of Christ Jesus because the Bible is full of those examples, but God placed the responsibility on the man. And so we will build families by coming alongside men and teaching them how to make disciples in their home. Man, we don't like to answer when we don't have the right answer. Sometimes we want to be funny and kind of play it off, but we don't like the pressure of being wrong. So we're going to help you be right. We're going to come alongside. Our growth as disciples is conditioned by the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God, breathed out by God, and therefore it's profitable, profitable for reproof, correction, uh, counsel and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be equipped and will be equipped as a believer. This is where we have to stick everything according to scripture. Man, I can tell you some pretty cool things that won't help you grow as a disciple of Christ. I can tell you what kind of fertilizer to put on your pasture grass to make it nice and green so your cows can eat it. I can actually tell you the difference between uh, feeding soybean as a, uh, or cottonseed hull as, as a supplement to cows to make them better. Why? Because my dad was a scientist. He did research and I learned things going along, this, along the ways with my dad. That's not going to help you follow Christ. I can tell you how to change the starter on a 2002 Buick LeSabre. I have some recent experience with that. That's not going to help you follow Christ. But when you come into the community of faith, as we share life together, if we're consistently pointing one another to the word, we are growing as disciples of Christ. Then our growth as disciples is actually the plan of God. This is what I want us all to see about growth. God didn't save you to leave you as a spiritual infant. 
just like the farmer did not plant the seed into the ground and allow it to spring up only to dig it up and have it grow no more. What God does is he predestines some things to happen. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 and 29 talks about how all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And he says, for those he foreknew, he predestined to what? Become conformed to the image of Christ. That's the bar. That, that, that's, that's the goal, Christ-likeness. We wanna set the bar here. Like, we, we, we don't want Christ-likeness, we want Jimmy-likeness. If we can get to Jimmy status, then we'll be okay. If, if, we, if we can get, to, if we can get to, to Beverly status, we're okay. Actually, if we can get just above them, it makes us feel even better, right? I know I'm not the best of them, but I'm better than that guy. No, Christ-likeness, that's the maturity, that's the growth. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18 tells us that we are to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of what? Jesus Christ. That he tell, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter four, verse 13, that all these offices in the church, uh, the apostle, the, the prophet, the, the evangelist, all these things were given so that we would be mature in our faith. So our pledge is that we will have scriptural integrity in all aspects of our teaching ministry. That, that when we have a, a women's ministry event, that, that those that are teaching are teaching the Bible. When Ben is leading your youth, when Charlie and the other workers are leading the children, when I'm standing here, when we have small groups and Sunday school groups and different classes going on, that the word of God, we will maintain a tether to the truth of scripture. That we'll have opportunities to put our growing faith to practice that will supplement feeding with the nurturing of our souls and to prepare our people for assisting others to grow. That, that's, the big, that's the big thing missing in the American church is men and women in the pews ready to assist other men and women in the pews to grow spiritually. Then our fourth one is go. We're gonna sow, we're gonna know. We're going to grow, but when we grow, we're going to go. The first word of the Great Commission is go. It's go. So if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, if that's where the church exists is to fulfill the Great Commission, we've got to pay attention to the word go. Generations ago, it was all about bring people into the church, bring people into the church, bring people into the church. But we've got to be willing as the church, having gathered to go and reach a world, reach a community, reach a city that needs the gospel. Going is the missional mindset of the church. That, that, that's the missional mindset. Look at what Paul, or what Paul Sorry, Lord Jesus, no, you're not Paul, you're better. Uh, look at what Jesus says in the Great Commission. He says there in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. Therefore what? Because he says, I have been given all authority under heaven and under earth. And because of that, I alone have the authority, the ability to command you to go. But he uses this really cool word. It's the word go. And most naturally, we can translate this Greek phrase as you were going. Since you're going anyway, do this. Like yesterday, we were eating after church. So last night I went to the store to get a couple of things. And so I had to ask Christy, since I'm going to Walmart, is there anything else I need to get? 
since I'm going to be there anyway, is there something else that I need to gather? And she didn't have anything that I needed to, but it could be that she called me while you're there. Since you're going to Walmart anyway, pick this up. You're going to school, you're going to work, you're going to the doctor's office, you're going to the gas station, you're going to their house, you're going here, you're going to that sporting event, you're going there, you're going to eat, you're going to the bank. While you're going, make disciples. See, we, we've got it backwards in the church that when we come to church and we sit and we sing, we throw some money in the offering plate, we, we can get up and go home having done our religious duty. No, no, when we leave here is when we do our religious duty, when we go and we make disciples. All around us is the mission field. Going is the missional mindset. You see, the mission of the church feeds itself. Now, I know you can't see everything up there on the screen, but you can see that all these little things that are kind of coming out in the different colors are, are, are in a circle. There, there's a reason, I believe, that when Justin originally put this logo together and as we've revamped and redone it, there's a circle there because it never ends. We go and we reach, we sow the gospel, we gather the harvest, we teach people about God, we grow together and we go again. And it continues and it continues and it continues. Why? Because there's no retirement in this mindset. If going is the missional mindset of the church, there is no retirement in this. I know that's contrary to American thought. We're, we're, we're trained in Western civilization to, to work a certain number of years, put in our time, and then sit back and gather and glean the rewards of that. But the gospel doesn't work that way. It's basically go, 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 die, and then get your reward in heaven. That, that's it. Because one day we are going to have to present ourselves before God. He'll say, oh man, great. I'm glad you profess faith in Christ Jesus. Welcome into the joy of your reward. You're looking around thinking, man, this looks like a, some sort of communist seller. What in the world? Well, you've done nothing with your faith the last 30 years. We go. We don't retire from it. We go. We reach. And Paul said, or Jesus says, and I, keep, I keep getting the two confused and that's wrong. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power. When you receive power, it's because the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're going to be something. You're going to be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. Got a question for you. What's the source of power? The Holy Spirit. Does that power source run out? No. No. We may grow weary, we may grow old, but we never outgrow the power that Christ Jesus has given us. So we serve locally. We pour and we invest into people right here around us. As Paul says, I got Paul right that time. As Paul says in, in the book of Thessalonians in chapter two, verse seven, he says, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having so fond of an affection, having such a deep love for you that we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. They invested personally in the church in Thessalonica, in the community. Why? To reach people. So we serve locally. We serve South Fulton. But we send nationally and internationally. We, we, we go and we support families and missions and work that's going on in, 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 in Pittsburgh. 
in London in recent years in Haiti for the purpose of making sure that gospel, the gospel witness goes forward. And we give to support the mission of going. So as a church, we pledge to fund cooperative program giving, which that's our Baptist identity. If you have questions about that, we can break that down. Talk to me. Uh, We present our members with opportunities to participate in mission trips, to build mission partnerships around the world, to join other local churches to reach Fairburn and to sponsor outreach and mission endeavors here in our backyard. Several of our men and women went yesterday to suburban woods, uh, a mobile home park right over here on the edge of Fairburn and Union City for the purpose of simply helping put fire, fire alarms, smoke detectors in their homes. No, nothing, nothing that was you know, overly grand. We think it's gotta always be the big stuff. That's a simple open door. But church, let me share with you what I found out about that yesterday. There were more Mormons there doing the same thing than there were Christians. More purveyors of a false doctrine, a false hope, a false religion than those of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do is we're going to rally, we're going to gather around and we're going to find these opportunities that we can capitalize on to make an impression and an impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ as we go. So so what about you? What about you? Yeah, we've got four really cool statements up there. And, oh yeah, Evan, that's great. That's some good coach speak you got up there. Oh yeah. What about you? See, what makes that different than coach speak is how you respond to it. Are you in or are you out? Are, are you a part of the picking up and moving from here to reach a community, to build disciples, to build families, to support, the, uh, to, to, to fulfill the great commission in glorifying God? Or is it, man, I'll just keep coming to church. I pray this morning on this day that we celebrate the history and look to the future of our church that you say, yes, I'm gonna be one that's going to sow, to know, to grow. And Lord, please send me because I'm gonna go.